0: You're listening to the Unhelden News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Just as in Jesus' day, Pharisees still walk the earth. Among them today are the celebrity Christians who support wars in the Middle East to protect Israel. In our Pharisee Watch portion of the program, we feature stories about the unchristlike acts of these modern-day Pharisees. Our programs are led by Charles E. Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths and author and editor of the Pharisee Watch and unheralded news features on our website, whtt.org. Joining Chuck are four other founders of We Hold These Truths Travis Steele is the owner of Steel Engineering. Mark Horton is the president of Ultra Clean Corporation. Chuck McCollum is the owner of Oakshade Development. And Tom Compton is a retired sales engineer and your announcer. Our reader is We Hold These Truths, faithful volunteer and dramatist, Leslie Ford. Welcome to our podcast.
1: In today's Pharisee Watch and Unhielded News, We have several very interesting items. First, we're going to talk about a follow-up story on our last week's program, Why Arabs from Egypt Attacked IDF Soldiers Riding on an Israeli Bus. We've got some confirming information from Haritz. And then we're going to talk about our vigil in Fresno, California. We helped in just being there, but this vigil was started and arranged and planned by our good friend David Jacobs, his wife, and Patty Ford there in Fresno. And we want to talk about that and the significance of it. Chuck, would you give us a little update on the soldiers riding in the Israeli bus?
2: Well, we've written many times about how Israel constantly has to lie, and there's no other proper word for it. They basically have to create a propaganda veil and network to justify their position, because their position cannot be supported by the truth, the notion that they're constantly occupying millions of other people in the land that they've taken from them just cannot be sold by confronting it head-on and saying, well, uh, we, we justify this based upon truth. So one of the things that uh, we pointed out in, a, in, in not only in this story of August 22nd, but also in, in other stories we've written in the past is that we were able to decode Israel propaganda, and basically you have to un- unwind the language they use to find out how they are deceiving you. And one of the things they always do is they pretend that anybody who's killed by the Palestinians is a civilian. They never admit that the Palestinians kill soldiers, because if they did, the uh, ordinary thinking people would say, well, if there's soldiers, there must be a war. If there's a war... Israel must be killing Palestinians, and if Palestinians fight back, why wouldn't they kill soldiers? So what Israel's approach always is, is that anytime there's a death, they create the illusion that that death is a civilian. And they don't come right out and lie to you in front of you because uh, it's necessary for them to also make uh, announcements to their own people and uh, to honor, basically honor their dead soldiers by announcing that they were killed in a line of duty, blah, blah, blah. So the way it's done is by a duplicate press release system. And all this is explained last week in our story. The first press release that always goes out comes from a carefully written scripted thing that comes usually from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, which is a pure propaganda organization. And in that, they will always tell you that you can always tell whether civilians were killed or military were killed by the language. Here's how it works. If civilians were killed, the announcement will say five or two or one or however many Israeli civilians were killed in a bus bombing on blah, 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 and then it gives a vivid details of what they looked like, who they were, how young they were, what they were doing, why this is a tragedy that all these people were killed, and it's, of course, invariably by terrorists. Now, if soldiers were killed, they don't explain who the people were. They just define them generically as Israelis. So you can always tell. If the press release says six Israelis, or seven or eight Israelis were killed, you know, aha, they're hiding something. There were soldiers among the killed. We explained that in relationship to this attack of Egyptians who attacked a bus, and we knew that that bus carried soldiers regularly because this author happens to have ridden on it. So we explained all that last week. That's in deference to the people that haven't read it yet. So in an announcement that came out of Haritz. About that same incident, later in the same day, August 19th, the Hertz uh, papers carried an account of 30 or more wounded during this attack, and most of them, it said eight Israelis were killed and 30 or more wounded during a planned terror attack on the Egyptian bus. Uh, then when, you, when they published the full article, they explained that of the eight killed, two were Israeli soldiers, and they didn't say who the other six were, but we presume that the other six may have been civilians. And then they said 30 or more were wounded in the well-planned terror attack. So they're still saying it's terrorism, but in the very end, they say most of those injured were soldiers. So here you have a public bus in which carries maybe 50 or 60 people, I guess, on a bus. They're big buses. And we now find out that as many as 30 of the people on the bus who were injured by this attack were soldiers. So you really have a case of Palestinian soldiers attacking an Israeli military transport, killing two soldiers, and wounding upward to 30, and, of course, some civilians were unfortunately caught in the attack. So that is the release here, which absolutely confirms, in Israel's own words, that we were absolutely right in what we said and that this is how they do it, and that's who was killed and wounded. Any questions?
1: No, that was very good, Uh, and it's always nice to get cooperation uh, like that.
2: Yeah, they come right out and tell you the truth. And they have to because uh, those soldiers that are killed and wounded have families, and they don't like the government to keep it a secret that their children, husbands and wives and so on, some of them were women soldiers, by the way, they, didn't, they never admit that. They never admit that anyone, any of the soldiers killed or wounded our women, by the way. But uh, we, we also noticed that Netanyahu visited the wounded soldiers, quote, soldiers, IDF members, in the hospital, but it didn't say how many. It showed him talking to one wounded soldier. So we, we, uh, we were onto this from the start because we studied some 55 incidences of uh, attacks on buses and we were aware that in almost every case soldiers were on those buses and in most cases were either killed or wounded. We're not for killing anybody. We're not for wounding anybody, but we are for telling the truth, and we'd like Israel to tell the truth about who it is these victims really are.
1: Okay, thanks, Chuck. Let's uh, move on to our next story. This is about a Project Straight Gate vigil in Fresno, California. And I had the privilege of attending this vigil that was organized by David Jacobs and Patty Ford, both of Fresno. Now, they they have been on previous vigils in Bakersfield, Project Straight Gate vigils from We Hold These Truths, and in Southern California in the Los Angeles area. So they've experienced what it is to be at these vigils, but to take the quantum step and actually organize one, is really a major event, and we're here to commend them for what they, what they accomplished there. And it was very uplifting for me to experience this. One friend asked the question, well, how did they determine which church to uh, hold the vigil at? Well, of course, there's a lot of churches that have dispensational evangelical Christian Zionism bent, But with some research, Kitty Jacobs, David Jacobs' wife, did some research and found that Cornerstone Church that's pastored by Jim Franklin in Fresno, in a downtown, it's a converted theater, that that, uh, he had been connected with Kufi Christians United for Israel, and John Hagee, and he actually was a, some kind of field representative for Kufi I'm not sure the exact title. So they determined that this would be a good place. David scoped out the area to make sure access, and it actually was very good. It was a public street. We always stay in public right-of-way, uh, and we, we know the rights. He actually notified the police that we were going to be down there and there was a convenient parking spot nearby so we could unload our signs and set them up. We had, they had done a fantastic job in making their own signs, and we brought some extra signs along with them. So it was a very impressive display. Now, part of the thing about doing a vigil is to tell the church, the pastor, that you're coming. And I want to Leslie to, to read the letter that David sent to this pastor now, interesting as an aside, uh, he claims we went up to him before the first service to see if he had gotten the letter, and he said he was on vacation and had not, so David handed him the package of information, including this letter. Leslie, why don't you go ahead and read that, please.
3: August eighteenth, two 2011, Pastor Jim Franklin, 1545 Fulton Street, Fresno, California, 93721. Dear Pastor Franklin, Project Straight Gate is organizing peace vigils outside many churches around the country. We are planning to visit your church on August 28, 2011. Our prayer is that leaders like yourself examine your own position and make a Christ-like and not a popular commitment in regard to the continued American slaughter in the Middle East, and the Israeli occupation of Palestine. We trust that you are concerned about the destruction of human life, the decline of respect for human life, and the certain economic destruction that will result from our nation's current posture. Anti-war demonstrations continue in record number in size all over the world. Unfortunately, most of them are not carrying their appeal to what ought to be the most Christ-like element in our society, evangelical church members. Churches are where the education must be done. A nationwide movement, Project Storygate, has initiated silent vigils at American churches with a message of peace and brotherly love, as taught by Jesus, in a similar time of war and hatred, combined with the hard facts about the Middle East. Jesus calls the leaders of his church to be peacemakers. Surely you know that. Jesus did not teach us to turn our heads aside at massacre in his name. Jesus said, For as much as you have done to the least of these brothers, you have done unto me. Suffer the little children to come unto me, and of course, the great and humble Beatitude, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We invite anyone to show us where Jesus ever made even one statement that allowed a Christian to approve or participate in taking the life of an Afghani or Palestinian, and most especially the lives of women and children. Jesus' words dictate the need for Project Straightgate. Our spokespeople are presenting a nonpartisan educational program to churches, synagogues, mosques, schools, and associations based on, in part upon a fact-finding trip to the Gaza Strip. We also provide a detailed biblical explanation of why many evangelical Christian right leaders are unjustifiably supporting serial wars. If you would like to discuss hosting such a program, please call us. You may examine our website at www.whtt.org and the literature we will be offering. We will be happy to provide an information package. Toward the Straight Gate, David Jacobs.
1: Thanks for reading that, uh, Leslie. So you need to do your homework, uh, number one. There are lots of churches, and what can be done if somebody hears this and gets the idea, hey, we'd like to do this, one way is to go to Koofy's website, C-U-F-I, or you can Google it, and you'll find their schedule. And they've got events all over the country, and they typically are at churches. Some of them are not. And we have been to at least, Half a dozen or more national Kufi events, even in Washington, D.C. What was very interesting about this vigil was when they saw that we weren't leaving after the first service, which started at 8, we got there about a half hour early to set up, put the signs in order, and then after the first service started, and probably about 15 or 20 minutes before the second service at 11 o'clock, a van drives up from one of the local ABC stations in there. And so we checked amongst ourselves and said, well, did anybody send a press release? And no, we hadn't sent a press release, so we knew it had to come from the church. And this was later confirmed by the pastor's daughter, who told us that she had actually sent the the press release out. So he was also a prominent talk show host um, in the Valley, and so I, he was going to use his credentials, I guess, and maybe that's why they found it as, a, as noteworthy to come out. But the, the bottom line, actually, the piece that was done, and you'll be able to find it on the link uh, below in, our, in the podcast here and in our website, is very good. It was very evenly, handedly done by the news media, and what was even re- more remarkable, they added some facts that I didn't even mention. For example, that the association with John Hagee, that John Hagee has criticized the Catholic Church and, the, uh, and Muslims. So any person that maybe was a Catholic watching this would see through what this pastor was saying. His comment was that the Israelis have a right to defend themselves, the standard line that we hear all the time throughout our media and from our government and so forth. Never mind about the innocent children uh, in Gaza, the 300-plus that were killed in 2009-2010 in the incursion or massacre into Gaza where over 1,300 citizens were, and most of those were civilians, were killed. So. It's great to see uh, these churches being challenged. And what's even more inspiring is this church is going to be hosting a KUFI, John Hagee movie. It's a new-released movie. I'm not sure what the title is, but it's going to be shown there this month uh, in September. And so that, this has given them inspiration to go back there because you're going to have people from other churches, evangelical churches there. So it will be a great opportunity for people to see these signs and wonder why are these people here? Now, I would guess that we probably aren't going to get press coverage the next time. This my sort of my hunch. <laughs>
2: well, you may get Anybody? some other. Uh, might get some <laughs> other uh, network or some other station. station. They have some more. Na- they have more affiliates there. Fresno is a pretty big town, so maybe others will want to get into that. And the idea that these religious leaders like Jim Franklin and John Hagee are popular with local communities, uh, that's just not so. We found out over and over again that oftentimes the police don't like them very well. They sort of resent them because they're sort of freeloaders. They don't pay taxes and so on. And a lot of times their positions are are kind of irritating to local people and especially to media people. So it's not a surprise, but something uh, that I wanted to add is that it's so important to give these people a chance to let their consciences work on them and to give them yes. this letter was written 10 days in advance and to give them 10 to give them a week or so to brood over it and we found out that if you if you notify them and warn them far enough in advance they do dumb things like inviting the press to come uh, they actually uh, are become the victims of their own conscience i think and they do um, odd things like uh, like thinking that the media is going to make uh, they're going to make media hay out of something like this it doesn't ever work that way if the media comes and if we are as well prepared as uh, Mr. Jacobs and his uh, wonderful team was in this case so following these little procedures that we've uh, learned over doing this so many times that work over and over and over again and they're very simple it makes it safe and uh, less you know, confrontational, and uh, just it just makes things more likely to come out well. Leslie, I know you've been and. doing a lot of vigils. Do you have anything to add?
3: Oh, boy. I remember uh, one pastor's wife cursed you in the name of Jesus, and you asked her why. Your sign said, Blessed are the peacemakers, and she said, But you didn't mean it. <laughs> we mean it. <laughs> good, mean it, very it really good. bothers them
2: that we mean it. And uh, the letter that you read is so simple and straightforward and directly challenges this pastor on exactly what he believes. You'd think the last thing he'd do would be to invite the press. But uh, yes. that seems to be what he did. Uh, so give them a chance to make a big dumb mistake is what I always say.
1: This will give David Jacobs an opportunity to invite the press on his own next time. And like you said, Absolutely. Chuck, he might be able to uh, garner some interest from the other stations there. Go yes, ahead, Chuck. Yeah.
3: Well,
2: and the other thing, of course, is numbers. If you, For the benefit of our listeners, the number of people that you have to carry one of these things out is not that important. Organization is what's important. As the press said a few people... Uh, The press is used to to seeing 400 people at a good protest. Well, we have sometimes four people and have very successful protests because of the way we organize. And in this case, they almost had them outnumbered with a giant eight.
1: eight Yeah, we had eight, uh, eight people there. And, of course, the media guy from the TV station said, well, gee, you've only got eight people here. And so that doesn't we've had people do it with just one person and that's obviously hard I mean it's a very thing to to face the almighty giant here who claims to be followers of Christ but we've seen this in several churches where one of our participants a school teacher down in L.A. he accidentally parked in their parking lot and he thought it was a public parking lot and they handcuffed him and detained him
2: so yeah and I think I think it's good that Tom that you've Brought out the possibility that that uh, bad things can happen if you don't, if you're not careful, and you don't know what you're doing, and you don't follow right. uh, follow uh, directives and procedures. And we have the procedures that prevent this from happening 100% of the time. It's just a matter of following simple rules. So if we have listeners who want to do this, and you have one or two people who will start with you, that's really what you need on a team and when we will provide you with uh, direction and advice as to how to go about this right from every aspect of what you must do, step by step. And uh, I want to say that David Jacobs and his team seem to really follow uh, the procedure just very much to the letter.
1: We actually were able to hand out quite a bit of literature. Of course, a lot of people refuse it. But we had a little uh, like a bookmark, and it was the question was, are you really pro-life? And it was a picture of a dead Palestinian child killed during the incursion in 2009-2010 and I asked them questions like this. And some of the quotes by Jesus, suffer the little children unto me, and doing to the least, you do it to me. These kind of things, uh, bless the peacemakers. So we hope that people think about this and connect their Christianity, love of Jesus, their actions. We see this so frequently that there is a disconnect between the two. They seem to, when it comes to Israel, all bets are off, actually. Uh, And even in places like Iraq, they don't see the deaths of innocent children there or in Afghanistan as any violation of their Christian principles because our government started the wars. And so if our government started these wars, then it has to be morally acceptable. Anyway, that's the report. We had a great time. Uh, Be sure to take a look at it.
2: One one thing that that I don't think has been said, uh, we need to lead you, ladies and gentlemen, to take a look at the Straight Gate site. You're not going to find Project Straight Gate on the homepage of We Hold These Truths because there's so much information that we had to make a separate website for it. And you get to that website by going to our homepage and clicking on the little link that says Project Straight Gate. It's off to the side, and we, we really need to emphasize this more. That you need to go to that website, and you can see the history of, of most of these events, and you hear the history of, see the history of this one posted there. Uh, Travis is there too, are you not, Travis? Do You have anything to, veteran of the vigil wars? Many, many
1: vigils. vigils. You've been to. I can't count the number you've been on. Yeah, Travis. But they've all been local here. Well. <laughs> No, I don't have anything, Chuck. uh... Leslie, do you have something to add? Hooray. Okay, all right. Praise the Lord, yes. (laughs) All right, well, let's move on uh, to our next item. You want to report on your activities with the Al-Quds celebration, the Day of Jerusalem?
2: This fits into the area of loving your neighbor and loving your brother and uh, reaching out, and we have, a long time ago, started to make good connections with Muslims, really decent, great friends who are Muslims and who have events of their own, and this has reached the place where we now are invited to speak at quite a few of these. A year ago, there was a large rally in Washington, D.C., and uh, with a dozen or more speakers, I guess, and I was invited to be one of those and went there. And then this one was at Arizona State University. We were invited to participate, and I was the one who did the talking in this case. I was one of four speakers hooked in, By a television hookup over right over my computer that uh, I didn't know even would work and existed, but guys uh, putting on this program are bright university students and they knew how to rig it up. And next thing you know, we were actually speaking to an auditorium uh, by TV. So this helps to uh, gain us help. Some of these people have actually helped us with our vigils, and it helps them to have understanding of the uh, of the nature of Christianity, the Christian who are the Christians and who aren't, and uh, get the uh, characters straight in their own minds, because uh, Muslims are being led to believe that every Christian is against them, every Christian is trying to get them thrown out of the country, and that nobody tells the truth who are Christians. We don't want that to be thought. We try to dispel that, and we do, I think, uh, and uh, to the point where we're invited now to speak at some of these. Uh, Al-Quds Day is something that's almost traditionally Islamic, Uh, It's basically a celebration of, or or a uh, commemoration of Jerusalem. It means Jerusalem Day, and uh, Jerusalem, a holy city to them as well as to us. And they have guest speakers who come. Uh, This is done all over the country, and uh, hopefully we will find people who are willing to participate in these events uh, in other locations as well. So I spoke there for about 15 minutes uh, with four people, and I heard a really outstanding speech by uh, Imam, who is a leader of a local Shi'i Muslim temple in Arizona, and his speech was in Arabic, but it was translated by one of the men there, and it was an education for me. It was a wonderful experience just to hear his understanding of world events uh, and uh, statements he made. So uh, we learned something from going as well.
1: I'd like to move on to our next item that really deals with this issue so obviously, but not so obviously to those in our government and these blinded Christian Zionists, or we call angry evangelicals. To those of us who are in this movement, is very, very disappointing to see this, but it's not unexpected. This is a piece from Bloomberg. And it's entitled, Republicans to Unveil Bill to Force Major Changes at the UN, as far as the Palestinians go. And so this really has a lot to do with the attitude of, we see so prevalent in the evangelical churches, the people like John Hagee, the callousness towards the Palestinians. Would you read that article for us, please? Just the excerpt from Bloomberg. Sure. Bloomberg.
3: Bloomberg tells us, the legislation would also limit the use of U.S. contributions, withhold U.S. funding for any U.N. agency that upgrades the status of the Palestinian Observer Mission or any agency that helps Palestinian refugees. The bill would also withhold funding for the U.N. Human Rights Council until the State Department can certify that it doesn't include members subject to Security Council sanctions under Security Council-mandated investigations for human rights abuses or are state sponsors of terrorism. The title that Chuck has here is Republicans to Unveil Bill to Starve Palestinians in Refugee Camps, and he notes, no one should object to withholding money from any nation state-sponsored terrorism. However, sadly, this is all in the definition. Israel and the USA are both guilty of it, and Israel is the worst, having been sanctioned by the UN a number of times for terrorism against its own Arab citizens. Unfortunately, the USA always gets Israel's sanctions lifted or ignored. On the other hand, some one-third of the residents of Gaza live in refugee camps where many have spent their whole life displaced from homes in what has become Israel. They live under the blockade and occupation, and many cannot earn enough money to pay for food and lodging. Wonderful success stories have come out of these camps on the shoulders of those who have worked their way out but many children get their only meal from the U.N. Relief Organization. Only Arab children? What brand of racism does our Congress practice?
1: A very good question indeed. It's really a sad state of affairs that Christians can't differentiate here and how the little children suffer, especially uh, because of these actions by the Israelis and our United States government.
2: This, This story directly reflects on the amount of influence that APEC and other Israeli lobbying organizations, or a whole blanket of of them, have on our Congress, because here you have Congress putting forth something that they could not possibly justify if they examined any of the facts that are readily available to them. And it's also true that there is a significant number of the congressmen who were in Israel, or were in Israel last week, through last weekend, on a free junket that's provided to them every year, every new crop of congressmen are invited on this junket. And this time they had a record number, I think maybe something like 60 congressmen who actually attended Israel and they're brainwashed over there by Israel and entertained lavishly. And the names of the people who go are not even readily available. You have to ferret out the names of who they are by examining pictures and identifying people by their Faces. They don't even admit to going to Israel. So obvious is it that Israel is buying influence. In the case of these refugees, people do need to understand that if there's one thing that the United Nations might do that is valuable, it is feeding people in refugee camps who can't get out of the camps. And that's exactly the situation of the people in the Gaza refugee camps. They're not allowed to leave Gaza. They can't. Uh, they can't go through the gates into Egypt or into Israel and go somewhere else and look for some new life. They're actually stuck in the camps, some of them, that were, that were put together in the 1950s and 60s when Israel drove literally hundreds of thousands of Palestinians off their ancestral homes in what's now the state of Israel, and those people ended up fleeing to uh, Lebanon where there's camps, Syria where there's camps, and of course Gaza where there's the obvious case of refugee camps. And all over the West Bank there are camps known like with names like Janine that are essentially refugee camps that were created as a temporary housing for people that were driven from their land and their homes. And these people are still there because they have no other places to go. So here Congress is, now uh, wanting to force the United Nations to withhold aid to only Palestinians, not to anyone else, not to Somalis or to Kenyans or Ethiopians or uh, people from any other tribes or any other countries, but only to Palestinians.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much, Chuck. That ends our report for tonight.